What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Red River Horror Podcast. I am your host, Joe Zakreski, joined by Eddie Kayazo. This is episode number 14. Eddie, how are you today? I am doing excellent. We have a great, great show for you on deck. We really do. Uh, just a real quick disclaimer. We recorded this over Zoom, so there might be like a couple little blips. Please just continue. Move on with your day. They're fine. But <laughs> we have a very special interview we have from the film Don't Look Back, Writer, director, Jeffrey Reddick, making his directorial debut. You may know him from some of his other films, such as the legendary Final Destination. And we're also joined by the star of Don't Look Back, Courtney Bell. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 14 of the Red River Horror Podcast featuring Jeffrey Reddick and Courtney Bell. All right, so on October 16th, released Don't Look Back, the latest film from the man himself, I, I'm, I'm going to geek out a little bit. This is the first time I've ever spoken to him live, even though it's via Zoom. Jeffrey Reddick, the creator of Final Destination. Don't look back. Jeffrey, welcome to the Red River Horror Podcast. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Jeffrey's on a little delay. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. You know, and we always, we always love to have more than one guest because, I mean, Joe, you can see what I look like. I know what you look like. I know what Jeffrey look, looks like. Courtney Bell, the actress, is with us to brighten up the room mm -hmm. and make us all just, you know, bring up the appearance a little bit for the rest of us. <laughs> but, but the lovely Courtney Bell joins us, actress from the film. Courtney, how are you doing today? Thank you. Thank you. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Absolutely. So, this film, Don't Look Back, Jeffrey, it's... It, it, I've seen the trailer. I, I would be lying if I said I saw the film just yet. I can't wait to see it. Going to. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> it has been a very busy Halloween season. I work um, in the news media. Uh, Joe's in electronic payments. So it's been a crazy, crazy year since COVID hit. But yeah. with all the ways that people can watch films now, we are finally going to you know settle in one of these nights, watch it. You have a very distinct tone to your films, and, and it's a tone that I really appreciate. The way that the story paces along, it's just something that I'm envious of. Like, I wish I had the ability to do that. How does Don't Look Back uh, separate itself, separate itself from the films you've done before? Well, most of the films that I've done before have been straight up horror films, um, you know, with all the blood and guts. You know, people winning and getting uh, violently <laughs> on screen. Um, I don't like real life violence, only only movie violence. But um, this one is, you know, I wanted to do more of a mystery uh, suspense movie because in this movie, you don't know what's going after the witnesses who saw this, you know, mm. horrible crime happen and didn't help. Uh, you don't know if it's supernatural. You don't know if it's a killer. You don't know if it's in Cor Caitlin, who is the lead character played by Courtney Bell. You don't know if it's in Courtney's head. So it's a it's a lot more of a mystery where she's trying to solve who who was the killer attack to try to stop whatever's coming after them. So um, I, I do see some people comparing it to Final Destination. It's it's a definitely a different movie. Um, it's more of a mystery, just with a lot of themes in it of guilt and you know re, you know karma and faith. And it's it's got you know it's more of a mystery than what I've done before. Uh, so I, I would say it's a more I don't want to say mature film like the other. I've done aren't mature mm -hmm. uh, them have been I wanted to make like real fun you know blood and guts horror films and this one I wanted to make something that was just different just different from my first film and Courtney um, being the main character seeing 
I guess all of this violence unfold and, you know, just what you can tell from the trailer because we don't want to spoil anything. And how, how different is that from playing characters that you've played before? Uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing is any character I've played before, I've never really had to deal with violence or witnessing violence. Um, so that was definitely an interesting experience. Also having to deal with that in a film setting rather than a theater setting, Mm -hmm. because if I am dealing with it in theater, you're doing, you know, stage combat. So it's just, you know, it's the same as the stunts that they were doing on set. But like in that case, maybe I am a part of it or maybe I am watching it. So I think what made this so different specifically is that when that was playing out, it wasn't happening in front of me. So I'm reacting to something that is completely not there. Like it's all based on my imagination. And that was probably the most different thing that I've ever done uh, before working on this film. That's so cool. Like I was curious, like, did you have to like learn anything new or do anything like, did you like to get into that headspace to really get into like that fear for when you're on screen? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think that is just, you got to try your best to figure out how to personalize and make it, yeah. um, uh, you know, raw and authentic, but that's everything that follows for that exact moment. I had, I mean, I was stressed about it. I had no idea what we were going to do. Um, luckily I was actually able to see the fight prior to filming all of our reactions. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure I did see it, but we filmed it almost kind of out of order. Jeffrey, I was very lucky that Jeffrey was there. Cause I told him before, I was like, I don't really um, they're not there, I should say, next to me. And so I was able to tell him, I I don't know how I'm supposed to react to this necessarily. Like, what are you guys looking for? So we talked it through and he's like, I'm just going to call out different um, points that we're specifically looking for, right? Because they're not going to film my reaction for three minutes straight. Mm-hmm. They just need my reactions for very specific moments. And they're trying to get it not just from me, but from everyone. Mm-hmm. So he would say, okay, so here is when he reaches out to you and says, help me, here's when you're actually going to go and run. Here is when you see the first punch being hit. So we need you to turn around. They would just call out the movements. Wow. And that was actually a lot easier because then somebody just saying the words, I'm like, Oh, I know exactly right here. What I need to see somebody is telling me what it has to be. Well, and Jeffrey, this is the first time in the director's chair for you. Am I right? Yes. And- yeah, I, di- I directed a short, but this was my first feature. Um, so it was exciting. It was funny going to the fight scene because yeah, I was, I was just right out of camera and I'd be yelling, "Punch!" Like, <laughs> Another really punch, bad punch. You know, like screaming at Courtney. <laughs> and we, I guess we'll eventually so see, we, so we could get the reactions. But <laughs> so we'll see a director's cut where you have the bubbles of the actions happening. That that'll be the next after the film's done. It's you know. <laughs> full release um no that's that's pretty cool so is there anything actually what took so long for you to to make the jump and say you know what i've i've written so many great films i've created so many great stories now i want to be in full control of this i want to sit in the director's chair and do this what what made you take that step um it was something that i was have always been interested in on one level you know it's it wasn't a driving passion of mine for a while but i was really fortunate to be on a lot of sets of the films that I've written and you know, basically what you said, I wanted kind of my vision of the film on, on, you know, you know, when you hand a project off to a director, you know, it's there, it becomes their vision at some point. And with this one, 
you know, again, I knew, I knew I was picking a, a tough genre, a tough kind of mixed genre to go with, you know, because they always say, pick a lane, you know, like go, go thriller, go horror, go supernatural. And I knew that I was going to, I wanted the challenge of trying to bring all those elements together on film. And also you kind of get tired <laughs> after a while in this business, you, you get tired of waiting for other people to, you know, finance your films and come through and kind of on that side of it. So a couple videos fall on it. Um, when I was attached, I finally were like, you know, what? give me a lot of freedom, you know, to, you know, especially with casting to cast the people that I wanted to cast. And um, yeah, it just gave me a lot more freedom. I mean, obviously when you're shooting something on an indie budget, as opposed to a studio budget, you kind of lose some things you have to give some things in, but the creative control um, is something that's great. And then, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's your movie. Cause if I did, if another movie I wrote didn't turn out well, I could always, I didn't, I never blame the director, but you, you can always, you can always <laughs> blame somebody else um, for any shortcomings. And for the, you know, for this film, you know, you know, you get to kind of own it all. So um, yeah, it's been a great, I was really proud with how it turned out and um, I have really enjoyed seeing people's reaction to it. So, um, you know, I definitely, I definitely got bit by the bug for sure. Um, <laughs> now, now Courtney, is this, is this the uh, first like film you've had to do like a full press push for like where you just, you know, doing interviews every day, things like that. Is this like the first uh, film for this kind of uh, interview run? I should say. Y- yes. Yeah. I've never done, <laughs> I've never done PR like this before. <laughs> it's been really fun. It's interesting. I'm learning a lot. I like, I never used to understand why actors that I loved would go on, um, you know, stage. And the first thing they'd say is, I'm so nervous. I'm like, why? You're just talking to someone. And I'm like, you can say one thing and make yourself look so stupid. And you have no idea what someone's going to ask you. And like, you got to think hard about it. It's weird. You have to filter yourself. I'm like, oh, I get it. It's nerve wracking. Like all of a sudden you're performing, but as yourself, rather than being able to play a character that you can get lost in. That's a good point, actually. Yes, because mm-hmm. yeah, it's so different right now. I mean, I think of um, just the different ways that it was done before where you're pretty much sitting in a room with the backdrop behind you and then different people are coming in and talking to you for 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time. And then you have to think like, oh my gosh, after six hours of doing that, what the hell did I say? What did I do? Yes. <laughs> at least in this in this you know new way of doing it with Zoom and, and Google Hangouts, all that fun stuff, at least you have like a video record of everything. So you can watch it and be like, okay, I said this here. So I don't want to tell the Red River Horror guys that I said that. I wanted to... <laughs> You know, yeah. What's been, um, I guess, what's up to this point been the most fun part of the press tour for this film? Uh, what's been the most fun part? I don't necessarily know if this is a part of the, if this is included in press. I mean, it is interesting what it would have been like if not for COVID, um, having a release in theater and being able to watch it with a bunch of other people. Um, that is interesting that like for the rest of my life, my first film, I'll never get that, but obviously there are worse things in the world. So I will, I will be fine. Um, but I was able to watch it with a couple of friends. We went to the theater. Um, theaters are empty right now. They're like ghost towns, Mm. but they just opened up in Michigan. I mean, it was truly a blessing. They opened, I think three days before the film came out or something. Um, and so we were able to go and like, just be able to experience what it was like to sit in a theater and then just see my face there. But yeah. it was also fun. Cause like, 
I, I was running around the theater, like filming, like taking photos. Like when would I, I wouldn't be able to do that. So obnoxious. Because right. I yeah. be there. But I was able to like fully indulge in this thing with like just the people that I love who are all watching it. And we're all like yelling out loud and like being crazy and stupid because we had this space to ourselves and then we get other people to go. It's like, it actually is pretty safe pretty spread out because people are still pretty scared to go and they are cautious about what seats you can sit in. So that's definitely been my favorite part. Wow. Did that's, you, that did sounds, you, sounds so nice to really enjoy that moment. So yeah, really. <laughs> that's it. I'm so happy that you got to have that. That's so cool. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey, you put out the, I know you were promoting pretty hard over the weekend that it was going to be in some theaters, of course. And, and the thing is you guys are close. You guys are in Hollywood. So you need to help us out with this in Philadelphia. Okay. We COVID or no COVID, we always get the shaft as far as seeing films like Don't Look Back in theaters in Philadelphia. You always look at the billboards they put out and Philly is never listed. So you got to help us with that. <laughs> they think we can just go up to New York without a problem. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll see what the I'll let the, I'll definitely tell the distributors. Thank you yeah, very much. We gotta get in Philadelphia. But we're not we're not showing in any theaters in LA because LA's shut down. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. That's true. But the LA sees everything. Do you, do you, you really want to put like a great film like this in the mix of all the crap? Oh. <laughs> I wanted to see. What? I'm just kidding. It'd be, it'd be nice to go see it in one theater here in LA. <laughs> yeah. So now how is this so now that it's it's out, the film is out, how does that process now change from films you've done before? So I know streaming has offered the opportunity even before we were in a situation like this to kind of see the film immediately. Is there going to be like a what would be a time of a theatrical run and a rental run on stream and then an actual distribution of the pro- of the film or... Like, how does that timeline change? I think it'll be depend on the individual film. Like this, a lot of films are going straight to streaming now. Um, I know with this one, it'll be in theaters and then streaming as well. Uh, and I think it's going to still play in theaters through Halloween, uh, which is great because some people, I don't think the theater experience is ever going to die because people like to go and see a film with an audience, like that communal thing. We're just social creatures. So I think once COVID's under control, a lot more people will be going to see it or going to see it in theaters again. But it's going to be it, it's gonna be a little while, I think. And, you know, because I know cases are spiking everywhere. So every every place is going to be different. But, you know, for the, uh, through Halloween, because this is this is the month. And, you know, fortunately, most of our competition has has pushed off till you know next year so you don't have halloween or candy man to compete with um (laughs) well yeah no that's that's a good point halloween candy man i know for mass market those are those are going to be huge releases you actually were interviewed by stacy lane wilson for our website red river horror she did a 25th anniversary piece celebrating candy man because i always thought see the thing is with Candyman, you know, we talk about, okay, like Get Out, incredible film, Jordan Peele, I love him to death. Awesome, awesome filmmaker, great on the social commentary. But like Candyman is the OG of like making a quality film 
that does have a social yeah. commentary with a real real emotional weight to it. It isn't just a guy with a hook hacking people up. There that's a, that's a cerebral emotional ride, the original Candyman. It's one of my favorite movies Candyman is. Um it's amazing. Uh and I, you know, when Tony Todd, when they told me he was going to be in Final Destination, I was like, oh, my God, it's Candyman. Um, <laughs> I think it's a brilliant movie. And, you know, it's it's like with Black Panther. It's like people forget about Blade. You know, there was another Marvel superhero, uh, you know, African-American lead character um, in Blade. So people kind of don't remember that Candyman is like, well, pe- horror fans do. But <laughs> yeah. the mass markets that, that saw Get Out don't realize that Candyman was out there first. Um, and it's just such an iconic film. It's true. It is. And the team, the team behind the remake is they'll do it justice. They will. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm really, ex- I'm excited. Well, Courtney, so how is, how is everything going on up in Michigan? You said that the theaters are actually open now for the first time in a long time. Have you spent the quarantine at home in Michigan or have you been like back and forth to LA or what's, what's been your, uh, your plans over the last eight months? Uh, I've been bouncing around. I've been uh, in the Northeast a lot, actually, which I've never, um, I've been, I've been to the Northeast, but not as North as I've been, like New England Northeast. Uh, Michigan, obviously, was in Texas for a little bit, and then obviously started off in California. Um, So it's actually been really nice. I've been able to see way more of the country than I've had. I love to travel, but I haven't really been able to do it a lot in the last couple of years. Um, I've been able to spend a lot of time with my family, which I also haven't been able to do. So I'm very thankful for that. That's what I've been. That's what I'm really honestly lounging around watching TV and hanging out with my mom. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Now, what has the audition process been like under, under these uh, circumstances have, is there like a zoom uh, Mm. version of the audition? Uh, yes and no. So right now, um, everything is self-tapes, but self-tapes were always a thing. Um, and, you know, you just, you have your own background, you have your own light. They send you the script and you do it at home. Uh, so that, to be honest, that actually doesn't feel that odd. It is interesting not having the in-person component, but if they really want to, they actually do. It's, um, they have a specific system. They're not using Zoom. Be all y'all audition with um, the casting director, but it also is it's difficult, obviously, because you can be in the middle of like doing a really good take and you're like really in it, you're like yelling, you're crying, whatever it needs to be. You're on a good flow, and you're like, Oh, I'm gonna book this right now, and then you finish it and you don't hear anything, and they're like, Oh, my computer froze, no. we need you to start <laughs> it over. No. And it's like, What? Like, it's just it's so crazy. Um, so I mean, to be honest, self tapes have been, it's, you know, what, what's the trade off? Like you're not getting a note live. So you can think your tape is great. And then they're like, actually you're playing it. Like she's weird and we need you to not be that. And you know, if they could just tell you that one note, then all of a sudden you do it the way they want it and then you get the role. But if you're doing a self tape, you have no idea. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're like, Oh, they, they seem good, but like they didn't, they didn't understand what we wanted. And because we can't give a note, we're just going to throw that tape away. So, yeah, I, guess. I had heard it was that cutthroat. Joe's actually gone through the process. Sometimes I had yeah. to get like a, 
a headshot for just some audio work that I was doing. And I was, and I just made a joke to the photographer. I'm just like, yeah, I said, ah, maybe I'll throw it in there. Try and play like a, like an Italian mobster or something. It's just like, no dude. He's like, it's so cutthroat. You won't do anything in acting. Trust me. I said, oh, okay. So I'm just oh, making a shit. joke, man. <laughs> like, okay. Joke on one that of the. That guy used to be an actor, I guess. Yeah, prob- yeah probably. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Jeffrey, but you do have a story that is extremely inspirational. And I, I would ask you if you could, I know you've, you've gone through this story a million times, probably over the last month alone, but when it came time for you to break into the business, it was, it was a situation of working hard and just persistence and you did it. Do you mind sharing that with the Red River Horror audience? Um, your break not. into New Line? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was also luck in a way. Um, no, but when I, when I was 14, I saw A Nightmare on Elm Street, which is a movie of all time. And, um, you know, I'm this 14-year-old hillbilly living out in the middle of Kentucky in a trailer. You know, we used to have an outhouse. Like, I was that kind of hillbilly. And um, I saw the movie, and I fell in love with it. And I went home, and I wrote a prequel. You know, and of course, reading it now, it was just a very generic, obvious. He's a janitor that that does bad things to kids and the parents kill him. Um, But I thought it was brilliant. And I found out the information for New Line Cinema and found out that Bob Shea was the president. And so I mailed a treatment to him and he sent it back to me. And he's like, you know what? We don't take unsolicited material, but thanks for your submission. And then I had to look up unsolicited because I was a 14 year old. I didn't know what that meant. And um I wrote him back and I'm like, look, mister, I've seen three of your movies and I spent $3 on your stuff. So I think you can take five minutes to read my story. And he did. He actually read it and got me for my aggressive, how he put uh, some feedback and him and his assistant, Joy Mann, who isn't with us any longer, unfortunately, um, they kind of took me under their wing. They sent me scripts. They sent me movie posters. They were just very encouraging. And so I was going to um, a Kentucky Berea College, and I got a summer internship to study acting at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And so I went up there for the summer when I was 19, and, you know, Bob and Joy were like, hey, do you want to intern here while you're here for the summer? I was like, sure. And then I ended up getting an agent right off the bat, and I was like, screw college. I'm going to stay here. And I ended up staying at New Line, kind of working my way up uh, the company food chain um, from 19, and then I sold Final Destination when I was 27. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a matter of having that, that naivete when you're a, when you're young, where you just have a dream and you want to push it. And I didn't have any master plan by writing that treatment. I just knew that I had a story I wanted to tell and get out there. And it just happened to, you know, I didn't take no for an answer the first time. And Bob was gracious enough to read it and, you know, take in, take me under his wing. So, um, it it was, it was an amazing story because I got to work at his studio for so long. So I saw how the sausage was made you know behind the scenes so i learned to kind of not take stuff as personally as i would have normally because i would see a lot of great scripts come in the new line with you know from a new writer and they're like this is an amazing script we have to make it and then we'd get a really bad script in like that had jim carrey attached and all of a sudden it's like well we got to make the jim carrey movie because it's jim carrey Mm -hmm. so i realized like a lot of the creative in this business you know, when times get tough, as I, as I realize the rejection of quality of my work personally, a lot of times it's just, it's not the right fit for them, or they want something that's like one degree different. And instead of taking the time to like make your project one degree different, they find one that is exactly what they're looking for. So, uh, yeah, I got to learn the business side of show business. And so 
all that stuff that used to would have crushed me as an artist, you know, like, Oh, they, they passed my script. So it must be awful. Like, I don't think that anymore. Um, so yeah, it was, it's a, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun story. Um, and I'm just very grateful again that they, that they responded. Um, yeah. Cause who knows? I, I still know I'd have been working in the industry like that. That w- wouldn't have stopped me, but this certainly put me on the career trajectory that I'm on. So I'm, I'll always be grateful to like Nightmare on Elm Street and Wes Craven and all that crew. And also Bob Shea and Joy and New Line Cinema. Um, yeah, just love working at that company. Yeah, yeah no, so cool. I, I appreciate you sharing because like, again, I, I know because I'm a fan of yours that, you know, like I know this the story, but there's some people who don't and what we try and do on the Red River Horror podcast, you know, try to get in the mind of the actors of the film creators, because there are a lot of people that want to take this step. There are a lot of people that love the genre so much and they want to make a horror film and and they see the process and they're, they're up close to it and, mm-hmm. and they they stop or they give up or they don't know how to do it. So, um, you know, it's I, I appreciate you sharing. Yeah. Like my thing is, especially now with all you know, people can, sh- you know, shoot a film on their iPhone, mm-hmm. you know, like we didn't have all that, te- the technology that makers have today. And now there's so many p- ways to get your work out there. Just getting something in festivals or even putting it online where it finds an audience can be the, bur- like, you know, the guy that did lights or James Wan saw and liked it and then brought um So I just tell people, you know, if, if this is your path, like it has to be your passion. Like this can't be something you're like, Oh, I think I'll try to get into acting or directing for a year or two and see how that works out. Um, because you have to dedicate yourself to growing first of all, and realizing that when you start out great as you probably think you are self included, you know, my first couple of scripts are like cringe worthy, but cut through the clutter of all the other people out there that are just doing it to try it for a year or two. Like you have to, it's almost like survivor. You have to like outlast those people. Um, so it takes real, uh, you know, if it's, if it's your burning passion, then start, start, start making own with your, start honing your, and you will eventually end up getting something made and get, getting something out there and people that stay in the business and, and have lifelong careers. That's sermon over. No, no. Uh, that, was, that was great. That was, that was very inspirational. Yeah, no, because it's it's important. I'm feeling it. <laughs> no, because there are a lot. You, you do see a lot of people. It's just like, oh, I think I'll do this. I think I'll mm-hmm. do that. It's just like, well, you got to know that this is what you want to do. It's not because, I, um, like Courtney, the, the reason like I, I asked about how the audition process is now is because I just know and have heard from people that it's just so mean. Like it's just not like you could you could not be fat enough or not be skinny enough or not be tall enough. And it's like the smallest thing that casting directors just like, Nope, done. It's like, dude, I poured my whole life into this performance. And now it's like, yeah, that's great. Well, you know, better luck next time. All right. (laughs) I mean, if I think of, uh, the, for many reasons why I'm so grateful to have been a part of this project, the one that I am most thankful for is in retrospect. I mean, I, I will always have to keep this in mind that I will owe some other young actress the same thing one day because I don't necessarily know if I would have picked a person who just had so recently started their career, had had experience, but never of this caliber. 
Um, like he just, Jeffrey really just trusted me and trusted that I really cared and I was going to put in the work. And I, I'm just endlessly grateful for what it will potentially do for my career now, because I will get to a point where I've had, you know, director sessions, producer sessions, it's down between me and one other girl and they'll get back to my management team and they're like, Oh, well, we had to give it to this other person because this person has more Instagram followers. We had to give it to this other person because I mean, something is simply like we went with the actor who was six, four and because Courtney is five, one, we need to pick the girl who is five, seven, because it's just going to visually look better on screen or the one that gets me the most is we don't know if we can trust Courtney to lead this film or television show because she hasn't done it before. And I get that. I mean, I, it is interesting that this is really one of the only fields. You're not going to have a doctor who just is a doctor tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have a Fortune 500 company all of a sudden be ran with somebody who just graduated from college. You work your way up in most fields. And in this one, sometimes you can just start off at the top. So they have to have a reason to be like, okay, so why? Why you? And there are so many other people who have been doing this for so long. And so Jeffrey picking me, especially as a black woman, it's like it's so freaking hard for me to get my foot in the door in the first place and so many black women have been like fighting for you know decades mm -hmm. to make it so people like me can get in and it's still difficult so the fact that jeffrey was able to use his voice and say no this is who i want it to be he took a risk like so i was like there's no way i felt stressed all the time while i was working on it because i was like i have to work hard it is is cutthroat as you said it is for anyone it's not just for women not just for black people it is a cutthroat industry for all of us things change every single day so the fact that somebody was just like you i think you're great and i want to take a chance on you is the most special thing that's ever happened to me in my life, especially in this industry when things just don't happen like that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it. I mean, just from the trailer, I mean, you look great in the trailer. So, I mean, <laughs> Thank you. But, I mean, that's what sold me. I'm just like, we, we, we watched it together. I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> well, we, yeah. so, we, we get pitched. I mean, being in the horror space, I'm sure Jeffrey can attest to it. We, we get pitched some, some films that you have to say, okay, what was the budget for this? What was the, we see a lot that comes across the plate. So when we get a, a film of the quality of don't look back, it's very refreshing and exciting. Um, to see an awesome uh, young lead and and know that Jeffrey was in the director's chair. And to your point, uh, Courtney, Jeffrey's been fighting the um, the social battle for a long time for minorities in the space. And uh, mm -hmm. it's not like like he he is not new to the game. Y you know, like now that Hollywood's finally realizing that there's a problem, it's like Jeffrey's like, yeah, well, I've been over here for a while, you know, <laughs> yeah. telling the story, you know. So exactly. um, anything. Yeah, they've Go ahead, Jeffrey. Yeah, they they always have an excuse. Um, <laughs> no, so they always they always have an excuse. And my favorite is like, you know, we pick, we pick the best actress or actor for the role. And I'm like, you know, what I try to explain to people is when you send out a casting notice, even if you say open to all ethnicities, 99% of the people that they send you are white. Mm. Like that's just the default in Hollywood. And I'm like, there's, you know, I was working on another project that was going to be mostly African-American and Latino actors. And I saw so much great talent out there. I'm like, so, you know, I, there's just a whole pool of talent that people don't look into at all. And I, with Courtney, I have to say, like, what really sold me on her um, before, and this goes back to being, having your own initiative, but um, I saw her name on the audition list and I went to her website 
and she had clips from all these different projects she'd been in. And in each of the clips, I saw like an aspect of, of Caitlin. So I pretty much knew before she came in for the audition that she was going to be Caitlin from seeing her other work that she, she put out there because I'm like, okay, I see the vulnerability. I see the toughness. I see the sexiness. Um, you know, I saw she cried. Like I saw everything on her website. Um, I, of course I didn't tell her that she had the role before she came in. Cause you, know, <laughs> you, know, you gotta, you gotta make them work for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she really Fair. was the best person. She really was the best person. Um, and yeah, so yeah, I'm really, really excited for, for the world to see her as well. And all of our cast, I'm really happy with all of our cast and, um, yeah, it's just a fun film. It's a fun, fun, fun film. Well, Jeffrey, your bandwidth is low there, so we're going to wrap up this conversation. It's just, a, I don't know why, there's just oh. a bit of a stutter. It's its cool, but don't look back where you can see it. It's in theaters. Um, Courtney, anything you can say about the film in close? Uh, it is a film, it's rated R, but aside from that, anybody who is old enough to go see it, I think it is a film for everyone. It presents great questions. You'll get scares, you'll get a little bit of sexiness, you get all of the things that you'd be looking for in a movie, and I think everybody will enjoy it. Awesome. Excellent. That is the great Courtney Bell. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Jeffrey Reddick, anything, anything you have to add to that in close for Don't Look Back? No, I think Courtney summed it up well. Um, it, it's, it's, yeah, we, we didn't get a rating on it, but I would be more PG-13, just so, so parents don't think that they, you know, can't take their youngins to see it, or, mm. you know, older people that are like, I don't, I'm, because we don't have a lot of blood in it. We, did, we, have, we have scares and suspense in it, but um, I, I do think it'll resonate with people, and I just hope, you know, I hope everybody enjoys it. All right, before we get and cut off... And I wish off, I had better Wi-Fi or bandwidth. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, that is great actress, Courtney <laughs> Bell, the man, the myth, the legend, Jeffrey Reddick, creator of Final Destination and director of Don't Look Back. You're listening to the Red River Horror Podcast. Thank you so much. This is the end of episode 14 of the Red River Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Zakreski. Eddie, great job. Thank you very much, Joe. You as well. Mm. Um, if you want to catch us, a- a- again, at Red River Horror, subscribe, like, all that fun stuff on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And uh, Joe, I think that's all I got, man. Yeah, and you can catch me at Red River Joe. Until next time, keep traveling those channels of fear. I can Let me take you. my earpods off. 